In honor of World Mental Health Month, we will be airing this episode, an episode that was first aired in November last year. Happy listening. So many people don't even know. They don't have an idea of what they are doing. They're just living life, living life on autopilot, just doing, okay, let me just make money and know. They're not really finding fulfillment in what they are doing. They're not satisfied with their life. So these mm. are things to show that there's mental health problem. These are ways by which you know that, oh, there's a mental... It doesn't mean that you have depression. Welcome to the Reconnected Marriage Partners Podcast. Hi, we are David and... Eben. Your host on the show. We know what it's like to feel less connected as a couple while juggling the increasing responsibilities and demands of work, life, and parenthood. We also know what it feels like to achieve a deeper level of connection and intimacy in marriage while raising a family. If you're ready to reconnect on a deeper level, reignite the passion in your marriage, and enjoy a more exciting and satisfying marriage, even if you're raising children with limited time, this podcast was made for you. Be prepared to be empowered and inspired to build the strong and connected marriage you truly desire. All right, let's light up that spark. Come on! Hi, friends. Thank you for joining us for another inspiring episode. Today, you'll be listening to part one of a two-part interview on the show. This is the first episode that falls under the start of a new series on this podcast, your marriage and mental health series. During this interesting and insightful interview, our special guest will be taking us on a journey as she addresses some of the following areas as it relates to mental health. Understanding what mental health really entails, prioritizing our mental health, self-care, support for spouses, and when to seek help. So stay tuned and don't go away. God bless you and yours. Hello, friends, and welcome to another great and exciting episode on this podcast. Today is a beautiful day here in Canada. Well, it depends on if you like the cold. We're having, I think, a minus 20 freezing temperature in a sense. And so um, we're all trying to warm up here. Uh, and so today we'll be starting off the mental health series, and we do have a guest in our midst today, a special guest, actually. And um, we'll be meeting her as I just um, go through her bio. She is a consultant psychiatrist, a psychotherapist, experienced in cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness training. She's a mental fitness coach as well. She's been in the medical field for over 22 years. <laughs> She's driven by a vision to help build a society where mental health is normalized and emotional well-being is prioritized. This passion you know, has led her to start her own company, Talk Mental Health, which began in 2018. It's an organization that aims to help individuals, especially women, live healthier and more fulfilling lives through innovative mental health interventions. Dr. Adeola Adeyemi is a board-certified mental health expert, fellow of the West African College of Physicians, member of the Association of Psychiatrists in Nigeria, 
and Royal College of Psychiatrists, London. She received further training from John Hopkins University and the University of Washington. She's also well experienced in leadership and management in health and gender-based violence. She currently lives in the UK where she works in the National Health Service um, the hospital. And um, she's also the author of You Deserve Please. I want to welcome you, Dr. Adiola, to this podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's so good to be here today. <laughs> yes, it is. So that was quite a, a lot of achievements. You have really done 22 years in the healthcare field. And you said eight years in mental health. And that's really, really, really lovely. So I think you are you're skilled in your craft. But you know, <laughs> um, beside all this, who is Adiola Adeyemi? Thank you very much for having me. So um, I would simply say that um, I'm this young, I would, I would say um, girl that, you know, was born and bred in Ibadan. That's in Nigeria. And um, while growing up, I was very expressive um, and very um, inquisitive. You know how a child would always ask questions and our culture didn't really permit for you to ask questions, you know. So I came across as being rude, being too vocal, being too expressive. So I always got the shut ups shut up keep quiet what do you know stuff like that mm -hmm. <laughs> and um so but I've always been a very expressive person you know little wonder the things I do now I guess in a way it would always come it would always come out anyways and also the fact that I had to do a lot of work because all the shut ups keep short that you know the criticism I received as a child did affect me Mm. And because it affected me, it affected my self-esteem and I had to do a lot of inner work to become the real me, to become my authentic self, to yeah. be yeah. that person that God has created me to be, you know. So perhaps yeah. you know, my parents, the society didn't really understand that your children are, you know, they are different. They express themselves in different ways. And there's a reason why God has made one who the, the way we have. But just simply say that this is me today. Um, I'm very um, passionate about what I do. I'm quite expressive, I'm quite authentic, and I'm also empathetic. So those are the qualities or the, the adjectives that I could use to describe my person, my personality. And that's one of the things that, that inspire me or that, that made me, you know, found talk mental health made me start to do stuff about mental health because i believe that if i could work on myself anyone else could as well so uh that's me <laughs> don't that's let me fine. talk too much <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine i, I know there the people feel that um i don't know if it's the psychiatrists it's, they they have that notion i don't know if you've heard it before that psychiatrists love to talk but yeah. I, I yeah, but at times I feel they love to listen because they are the ones who listen to other people talk. But at times, you know, it all depends on who it is. So we can't really put a cap on it that psychiatrists yeah, love yeah. to talk. Yeah, I so. agree with you. I guess it's because I mean when you compare it with other doctors, because you know, 
other doctors are just straight to the point. They want to just get things done. But psychiatrists, we need to have that um, relationship. We call it the rapport. alliance, the rapport, mm. before we can get through to what's going on on the client's mind. So we just need to continue to engage and talk and listen actively. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. you, you know, you talked about your passion and, and I believe that was what led you to one of the things that led you to, to write your book, You Deserve Please. And so can you just tell us more about, um, about your, your reason behind that book, you know, spilling your life out there more or less? Okay, so, you know, when I introduced myself, I told you I'm very expressive. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm not that kind of person that would hide information. I would say some things and I'll be like, I didn't plan to say that. Why did I say that? You know, but then jokes, jokes apart, um, the reason why I decided to write the book, You Deserve Bliss, or I've been writing the book, you know, you know how that you would have a lot of things on your mind and you take a note down in your iPad. Those are the things mm-hmm. I've always done. All of the things in my book, You Deserve Bliss, are, you know, inspiration that comes. It's not as if I just sat and said, oh, I want to publish a book. And then I started, no. Over the years, <laughs> things that I've done, I've worked on by myself that have helped me, that I've helped the clients I've worked with, are things that I put together in the book, You Deserve Blaze. And why did I write it? Because it has worked for me. It has worked for so many other people. I believe that more people in the world out there need to hear this. They need to know this and they need to learn to prioritize themselves. They need to learn to take care of themselves. And that would reduce or limit the rate at which people break down mentally. Mm-hmm. You know? So if you don't prioritize self-care, if you don't know how to care for yourself, you get tired, you get exhausted, you get stressed out, you get burnt out. And before you know it, you start having some mental health problems. And that's why mm-hmm. we have a lot of people with mental health problems. It keeps rising despite the fact that we have increasing number of specialists in that field, but we still get a lot of people with mental health problems. All the beds in the hospitals are filled up. There are no beds. There are no, you know, we are limited psychiatrists. People are breaking down. And that's why I felt people should be proactive about their mental mm-hmm. health. You Deserve Bliss is a book that would help you to prioritize self-care. In that way, you will reduce stress. It's to reduce anxiety. You, you'll be able to take care of yourself and you don't have to break down. You don't have to have mental health problems for you to now have to need to see a psychiatrist or being admitted in the hospital have to take medication. So that's one of the reasons why I decided to publish You Deserve Bliss so that we have more people that are intentional about their mental health, that are more proactive about their mental health. Okay. So I, I know the book is um, directed towards um, women. Um, my my wife does have a copy. And um, of course, I need to pat myself on the back. I encouraged her to get it. Uh, so so I, I'm just wondering, um, can men read that book? Of course. Okay. Absolutely. So yes, okay. I know that. I don't, I don't mean to be biased. Uh, okay. I don't want to be biased. I know I keep telling people that, oh, I help people, especially women, to do this, to become mentally stable, to be, build mental resilience and all. Perhaps it's just because I, uh, you know, these are things that I have experienced myself as a female and okay. I've worked with a more of 
female clients Famous. and male clients. So okay. that's what I, and I think because of our culture and all, I believe that women, that we go through a lot. Mm. We go through a lot, we juggle a lot of responsibilities. So we juggle, you know, parenting, we juggle, you know, taking being the being the wife, being the being the you know the career lady and all you want to put all of these things together. And we yeah. sometimes forget to take care of ourselves. So these are the things that I decided to put together to the in the book you deserve blaze. But yes, it's designed. I have a copy here. Yes, it's designed. There's a picture of a woman there in front of the book and all that signifies that it is for women, but men can also read it because all of the things that are put there are evidence-based, there are facts that can be applied by both male and females. So it's not limited to women. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. So if you are a man out there, please do well to also get the book. Well, you can get one for your wife and you can also read it together. And sure. I believe yeah. mental health is not really restricted to it's not gender based in a sense. At all, at all, at all. So, okay. So, um, talking of of men, I, I do belong to a, a group, um, a, a WhatsApp group, Mental Conversations, which is um, made for men. It says a safe space for men to unburden for the sake of their mental health, and mm. and which which leads me to the to the stigma you know, when it comes to mental health. Um, we, we know that um, back home in Nigeria, or in Africa generally, there is a lot of stigma when it comes to mental health. Um, and, and so this group was made just to have men come in and, you know, distress and all that. And so where I'm headed with this now is, now people are in the diaspora, the UK, Canada, Australia, and all that. But we still find that even women and some men still have that um, um, reservation about mental health. We, we, of course, you know, when you say something of, oh, maybe you should see a, a psychiatrist or a, psycho a psychologist, you're showing signs of depression, they can begin, you no. Know, God forbid, it's not my portion. Back to sender, and you know those are our religious lines. And so I'm just wondering, why is that still the case? You know, yeah, I agree with you in terms of you know the religious lines. God forbid, I rejected it. <laughs> Anyways, my, well, what I'll say is that old habits die hard. Mm. You know, it's a mindset thing. Imagine what you were what you've always known all your life the fact that you relocated to another climb where it's acceptable doesn't mean that it would change so as a matter of fact if you've noticed children do integrate better into a new you know in a, in a new environment, environment mm -hmm. than, than their parents so children tend to perhaps eat the food they have friends they're able to mix better as compared to their parents that would still want to eat their Swallow they are Amalane, but like me now. Mm -hmm. Tell me <laughs> about it. Amalane, where do you do? But my kids would start trying a lot of things that they eat here. 
So mm -hmm. that's the same, the same applies to our mindset from Africa. So you're coming from Nigeria, the stigma is there. Nobody wants to say that I have mental health problem. God forbid, unlike here where everybody, is, it's easy for someone to say, oh, I'm having mental health struggle. I'm, I'm off sick today because I'm having mental health struggle. Mm -hmm. but when it's a black or a Nigerian doctor, you will, you, you can't even say it for where. <laughs> How would you say that you have mm -hmm. mental health struggle? I mean, it, it appears like it's like a taboo or mm -hmm. something. So what I want to say is this, that it's a mindset thing. And mm. it's something that we were used to, you know, it's our culture, the way we were brought up and all. And we're used to this thing for a very long time. We can't expect it to just disappear because we have relocated. So mm. there has to be some active um, what a mindset work, like being actively talking to yourself, going through therapy, understanding what mental health is, being able to differentiate that mental health and mental illness are the same, mm -hmm. and then know that every one of us has got mental health, and it's okay to say that you've got some struggles in your mental health. So it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of awareness that I do and some of my colleagues were doing talking about mental health, making people, um, easy, making it easy for people to, to speak about, you know, to, to, to talk about their struggles. So I believe that it's because we are born and bred, we were raised in that kind of environment, and it's just difficult to just um, snap out of it or get, get to, you know, get used to what is, what, what obtains here. So it has to be done actively. We have to continue to encourage people to speak up to accept that it's it's okay to have mental health problem. I mean, come to think of it, God created us. He made us spirit, soul, and body, right? Yeah. And uh, your your soul is your mental health, your mind. And mm -hmm. you're being spiritual. You pray to God every day. You're physical, right? You have headache, mm -hmm. you paracetamol. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you feel depressed? I mean, why do we tend to ignore that? soul or that's our soul aspect of us you can't you're not complete without your spirit soul and body mm -hmm. so it's okay if your soul is is down you know your soul is down at the moment you're feeling low in yourself it's okay to speak to someone to speak to a therapist it's okay to admit that you're going through some mental health struggles and i believe this is one of the reasons why we're, we're talking today we're here today yeah. just so that people can be encouraged can understand that it's okay to come out and say, yes, I have anxiety. Yes, I have depression. And there's nothing wrong in doing that. Sure. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, so you, you did talk about um, mental health, that there is a difference between mental health and mental illness. Now, mm -hmm. before you before you make that differentiation, I, I also want to, you know, it, back home, when we talk of those who have mental illness, mm -hmm. the picture we have is that man or woman on the street with yeah. torn clothes and, you know, with a baby or maybe a few children picking up something from the gutter and all that. And, and maybe it's that mindset thing you're also talking about that, you know, so when somebody, <laughs> when you tell somebody, I, I think you may be struggling with some mental illness. They are like, seriously, the picture that comes to their mind is, well, I'm not on the streets. I'm not oh. wearing tattered clothes. I still went to work today. I survived, and you know all that. So, um, so let's let's talk about the mental health and mental illness. What is the difference? Hmm. Okay, so um, I think I'll just start with um, the definition of mental health for those okay. who don't know. Um, so, according to the World Health Organization, mental health is defined as um, a state of well-being in mm. which an individual 
he's able to understand his potential. Mm. So there are four criteria. Understand your potential. Mm -hmm. The second one is that you're able to cope with normal stresses of life. Okay. The third is that you're able to work fruitfully and productively. And mm. the fourth is being able to contribute meaningfully to your society. So that's what mm. makes someone mentally healthy. Your ability to understand your potential, you, you know yourself so well, you're self-aware to know that these are the things that I can do to succeed in life. Mental health mm. has a lot to do with success. So your ability to be able to know that I have these gifts, I can use this, I am, you know, have that understanding of this because so many people don't even know. They don't have an idea of what they are doing. They just permit me to say following the crowd, mm. living life, living life on autopilot, just doing, okay, let me just make money and know. They're not really finding fulfillment in what they are doing. They're not satisfied with their life. So these mm. are things to show that there's mental health problem. These are ways by which you know that, oh, there's a mental, it doesn't mean that you have depression. Mm. But are you really feeling, are you happy about your life? Are you satisfied? Mm. So that's what the first um, criteria, criteria, one of the criteria of mental health, according to what the organization has said, your ability okay. to understand your potential. If you understand your potential, it's enough for you to be able to use that potential to make meaning in life or, you know, feel fulfilled in life. Yeah. The second one is cope with normal stress. So what are normal stresses of life? You waking up, taking care of your family, going to work for those in Lagos, traffic and all, a lot of <laughs> <laughs> normal stress of life, everyday life and all. Yeah. The third one is being able to work fruitfully and productively. Mm. You can, work is different though. You can be going to work as to be, as to be depressed. You yep. can be going to work with something we call high functioning depression, but let me not just digress. So you can go to work, you can function and still be depressed. Mm. So it has to be fruitful and productive work. Mm. You understand? And the last one is being able to contribute meaningfully to your society. So when I mean contribution, I don't mean financial contribution. So being there for people, giving a call to someone, smiling just to make someone feel good. Those are things with which we, we, you know, we, we make um, impacts in people's lives, change, the, change our world and all of that. So when you are able to fulfill all of these four criterion, criteria, mm -hmm. rather, then you are said to be mentally healthy. Whereas mental illness is a disorder, right? So when there's a the disorder that affects your mind, your ability to think, your feeling, the way you feel, and the way you behave. And it's mm -hmm. severe enough to affect your level of functioning. Then right. that's called a mental illness. So for instance, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, sleep problems, substance abuse. These are examples of mental illness. So according to the World Health Organization, one in four persons, one mm. in four persons <laughs> will have a mental illness in their lifetime. lifetime. That's 25%, right? Yeah. But everyone has got mental health. Four in four persons. As long as you are living and you are alive, you have mental health. Mm -hmm. Not everyone would have it. Just 25% will have it, mental mm -hmm. illness. But everybody has got mental health. And as long mm -hmm. as you have mental health, then you need to do something to ensure that your mental health is in good condition. Okay. And that's how we're here today. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know. Yes, yes, it does. So, so that means um, the, 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 the way we take care of our mental health may determine if we go into mental illness. It, does that work? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. okay. 
Good. So, so, um, so for for those who who maybe I don't know where you are in the in the podcast or in the recording, I have um, Dr. Adiola Adeyemi, a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist, um, and we're discussing. You know, I didn't say this earlier. We're actually discussing removing the stigma, prioritizing your mental health, offering support to a spouse in marriage, and seeking help. And, and, and so this now leads me to the marriage aspect of things. I was listening to someone speak yesterday, and the person was talking of how when back home, especially in, the, in Western Nigeria, people dig into people's family histories before marriage happens to find out if there's actually a mental health illness, if it's if they discover that there's something like that, it's most likely that union will not happen. Um, over the years, it has sort of reduced, and many families are beginning to find out that, you know, they get married, and there begins to be some of this manifestation at some point. And, and so now people are in these marriages, and they are just wondering what can they really to is, is 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 this enough reason for for the man to check out or the woman to check out in in what way can a husband or a wife support their spouse when it comes to their mental health or mental illness i, I know there are two different things in a sense but um, yeah. maybe you can help us with that okay thank you very much for asking that question and um, it's quite important given the rate at which we're will have a lot of men, I'm sorry, marriage, marital issues, marital struggles, divorce here and there, domestic violence, mm. all of the social media. It appears that it's increasing and everybody's saying, no, I will, I will marry the young people. I say, no, I will marry, I'll get married in Jesus' name. <laughs> I will, I will, you know, the way marriages are breaking is so mm. alarming. But, and you can imagine how that could affect one's mental health. Mm. So I would say that, the reason when your spouse has got mental health issues is not a reason to break the marriage. I mean, you just need to understand that mental no one is immune to mental illness. Mm. So it doesn't even have to happen in one's family before you come down with it. Mm-hmm. I have said it earlier that one in four persons will have it. Whether mm. you have a family history or not one in four persons will come down with mental health problem. It means that no one is immune to it. As mm. a psychiatrist, I can have it. The, the fact that I'm a psychiatrist doesn't mean that that would exonerate me. Oh, yes, you are protected. Because you shouldn't have it. you shouldn't have it. Oh, it doesn't work that way. Because, mm. I mean, the risk factors are just so clear. And we face those risk factors every day in our lives. Even marriage mm. has been considered a risk factor in some yeah. cases. Mm-hmm. So marriage can be protective, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. of course, some people that are single, it, some studies have shown that you know loneliness can lead to mental health problems. So if you're married and you are happy, you know the marriage is is a, is a very healthy one. Then most more like most most likely your mental health will be more stable than if you were single. But then it's better to be single and happy than married and unhappy especially mm. if that marriage is not considered a risk factor to your mental health struggle so back yeah. to your question how can a spouse support a spouse has to come from the place of empathy you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes 
not forgetting the fact that no one is immune to mental illness. Mm. No one is immune to it. So it could be you. Mm. What would you what would you love for someone to do for you when you are the one experiencing it? Mm. Put yourself in other person's shoes and come from a place of empathy. Empathize with the person, try and understand with them, be kind to them, be patient with them because these are the issues, you know. Sometimes when people have mental health problems, you know, they, are, they, are, they come across as very slow or very lazy. You know, those are the things that um, the complaints some spouses would make. They, they, they would say, oh, that the person is dirty, not knowing mm. that a mental health problem is actually affecting the person's function, your ability to mm. take care of yourself. You know, they're very sloppy. You're, you're, not, you're not as fast as, as before. Your cognition is affected. You're not thinking fast. You're just sleeping too much or you're not mm-hmm. sleeping enough. You know, know. Like but if you know that it's actually a mental health problem that is causing this, then you wouldn't complain. Maybe the person is not um, as lost interest in preparing your meals. I'm just talking, maybe if the person is a female and yeah. the husband, you know, expects to get a meal, you know, my dinner is set or something like that. And your wife is not as lost interest in doing all of that. You can either understand with her and buy dinner or prepare dinner if you can for the time yeah. being that she's able to you know go through all of that and get better so what, all i'm saying in a sense that support comes in different ways you have to be kind with your words you have to also be kind in your actions you have to uh, try and, as much as possible not to tell the person to get out of it to mm-hmm. snap out of it hurry them out of the process mm-hmm. just be there with them listen to them Pay attention to what they're saying, whether they want to talk or not. Don't necessarily advise them. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, that sometimes that you have to be, you have to be able to balance it. That sometimes that you have to to be um, to be active actively okay. involved like okay for instance if they've given some medications and you realize that your spouse isn't taking the medication then you have to step in and say you have to just use these medications you know yeah. and there are yeah. other times when your spouse wants to just talk to someone. That's not when you give advice and you open the Bible and be saying, oh, according to you, and that. no, no. Just listen and just be there for them, be there with them to try and bring things that they love to do. You know, bring it around mm. them. If they like going out, if they want to go out, go with them and all. And also encourage them to seek help. So I'm talking to, you know, I've, I've said so many things now. So I said yeah. something about if, if you have sought help before and you've gotten medication or you're going mm. to therapy, just support them throughout that process. If they are not willing to even get the help, continue to encourage them. Yeah. Continue to encourage them that, oh, okay, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll do the, we're in this together. Sometimes it also, it's out of fear and shame some people mm. are ashamed some people are fearful like oh what would happen to me so what if i'm labeled mm. because of the stigma and all so but then if you tell them that we are in this together if they are sure and they can trust that you will be there with them they wouldn't be afraid to to seek help you understand so no. just let them know <laughs> it is not a reason for you to to separate or leave the marriage i mean it, it doesn't make any sense to say that because it's just like saying that because my my spouse has um, diabetes mellitus, which is a physical health problem. Mm. I want to now leave the marriage. That is what you're just saying. Because it's the same thing. It's, it's, a, it's an ailment of the mind. Yeah. And you say you want to leave. Ailment is not going to be there forever. It's just going to be for a period of time. So why not 
work together to ensure that she gets he or she gets the help they need and then they're able to recover from it. So that would be my advice. Don't don't leave the marriage. Just um, try to support as much as you can. Thank you for listening to the first part of this insightful interview. Please tune in next week for the concluding part, as I know you do not want to miss this. God bless you and yours. Shalom. If you like that among show, please don't forget to leave a review to spread the love. Hi, friend. If you've been inspired or found value in this episode, one of the best ways to thank us is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share this episode with friends and family. And together, we can build stronger marriages, families, and communities. Stay connected. Shalom.